by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need right there on Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel, 234-6622. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. By Cape Farm on Coburn Road in East Montpelier with their plant sale underway today. Our telephone lines are open. You can call us anytime at 802 802- Two four four one seven 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 or toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. And right now, here is the host of the program calling in from an undisclosed location in his secret bunker. Here is Peter Burke. <laughs> That's right, from an undisclosed location. <laughs> well, uh, boy, has it been hot, huh? Wow. And it's uh it's been in the in the nineties and um it's uh um you know my garden is really really dry so if you're uh if you're out and about make sure you get that inch of rain uh from the bucket or from the hose or from the however so that uh so that your uh, little starts don't uh, dry out. And uh, how about there? Has it been uh, been dry uh, in Colchester, too? Well, I put in, uh, it certainly has been. I put in my uh, uh, tomato plants uh, yesterday, all of them. Uh, they, yeah. My, yeah. my brother mails me, I can't believe it, it works, but my brother <laughs> mails me some uh, tomato plants of uh, fairly unusual uh, varieties that uh, he gets from a certain place. At any rate, I've, uh, interspersed, I've yes. interspersed them within the ones I get from Clausen's. And uh, so, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of kind of dry. I'm certainly going to keep a close watch on uh, keeping them watered. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, you're, you you know you might even consider watering every. 
couple of days just because the heat is is uh, so pervasive. And uh, that that I think would be really good for your garden. Um, um, this is pretty unusual, and most all of our plants are young and tender right now, and uh, they they need that extra water. So um, don't forget to water. That's for sure. And we uh, we skipped this week for uh, for planting our potatoes. We're going to do that next week, but uh, I've been a bit laid up, so <laughs> I'm taking the weekend off. And uh, uh, but they they're greening up very nicely. The little green sprouts on those spuds are are uh, coming very well, and we've got. Uh, Oh, parsley and artichokes and tomatoes and just all kinds of stuff to plant next week. So um, maybe we're we're lucky we didn't get too too much in the ground earlier because it's been so hot. And oh, one of the things we were talking about last week was the the compost bin. Um, and uh, um, you know, it's not just for gardeners. Uh, composting is is an uh, an art that uh, all of us have to learn because of the state uh, mandate uh, that we you know pull out the uh, green stuff out of the the trash and try to compost it and you know that's uh, um, it's for everybody i guess is my point so if you're not a gardener and you have questions about how to compost and what you can compost and what you can't compost um, you know, give us a call. We'd, we'd be glad to to help out. And uh, the the general idea, and we went over that a little bit last week, was the the greens and browns, the the high nitrogen sort of wet stuff, and then the the high carbon stuff that's like uh, dry and brown, greens and browns. And uh, you um, you have more browns than you do have greens. And that uh, helps your compost to be airy and light and not get uh, overly wet and stinky. So uh, if you're having any of those problems, uh, give us a call and we can help you out. Now, I've always recommended using a bin for your compost. Now, I know some people sort of uh, go for the heap, but um, if any of your neighbors have dogs, the heap doesn't work very well for, for them. probably works fine for you, but... If the dogs start getting into that heap, uh, you know, it uh, can cause uh, sore feelings with your neighbors uh, if the dogs come over and start munching on on all the leftovers. So um, as a general rule, you don't want to compost uh, meat or bones, that kind of thing. Um, Certainly eggshells is fine, coffee grounds, all, all the trimmings from from your lettuce and vegetables that you're doing, banana peels, all that kind of stuff. You can also, um, you can also with good success, uh, compost a lot of the, the paper and paper napkins and that kind of thing that you use in the, in the course of a week. Now, my wife and I, it's just the two of us, and we have uh, two one-gallon buckets. They're stainless steel buckets. Um, with a you know a, a sealed bottom so there's no leakage, 
And we will fill, the two of us will fill that up on a regular basis. Now, I mean, we, we cook a lot of veggies and, um, you know, everything is recycled and I make coffee a few times a day. So, um, you know, the tea bags and all the other stuff goes in there. So it will accumulate uh, roughly a gallon to two gallons for the two of us uh, on a weekly basis. So. Um, we can we can usually hold off to the weekend and and put all those greens out you know on the the top of the heap and then cover it with uh, you know chopped up uh, uh, leaves or um, straw or um, I don't recommend using hay because a lot of hay has has just an enormous amount of uh, weed seed in it so. You might want to stay with the, the the leaves and the straw, and even if you can't find anything else, uh, regular old pimos makes a great uh, source of brown in your uh, compost bin. Um, so uh, let's see, what else do we need to know about compost? Um, the uh, when you're using compost, of course, if you're not a gardener. Um, if you, um, when your, when your, uh, compost is all finished and it usually takes, uh, I usually figure on a, a season, I'd let it go over, over the winter and empty out the compost bins in the spring and then, um, uh, and then start them up again. And we have about five bins that we use on a regular basis and we will, you know, put in, uh, Oh, uh, everything from it, particularly in the fall, of course, but over the course of the season, the, the rhubarb leaves, which are tremendous, huge, um, those ones that we cut off, we'll put those in. Um, comfrey uh, that we cut down, we usually cut down our comfrey once a year so that they grow up and blossom again because that's a favorite of the, uh, the uh, hummingbirds. And um, uh, what else? What else? Oh, it's just just a tremendous amount of stuff. One thing you know, you do have to sort of be careful not to plant rooting things. Like if you're doing the the comfrey, don't plant the comfrey roots; otherwise, they'll root in that compost bin. But when it's finished, you know, it should be black and crumbly. Uh, there might be a few things that didn't decompose. And you can sift those out, or just sort of rake them out with your hand, and put them in the in in an active uh, compost bin, and kind of recycle that, and then use that on your lawn or on your uh, lilacs, or you know even uh, any of your bedded flowers and stuff. Uh, that's a it's a great soil conditioner, and there's lots of good stuff in there. So if you want to use something, you don't want to use a regular chemical fertilizer on your lawn, you can uh, scatter it on your lawn and use it that way if you're not a gardener. If you're a gardener, I usually put probably about a five-gallon bucket uh, every season um, in uh, in a four-by-four bed. So uh, that uses up a lot of the compost. And occasionally, it sort of depends on what I'm planting, what I'm doing. I'll have a compost bin right in one of my four by four beds, and that uh, that's one way to to really um, pump up the nutrients. 
in in a in one of your garden beds. So uh, I usually have uh, one, uh, you know, one or two of my beds with the the bin sitting right in the middle of it. And it doesn't mean I can't plant uh, stuff on the trellis behind or maybe a few things uh, on the side, but uh, it takes it out of production and it's it's a good way to um, you know rotate your crops is just take it out of out of uh, take it out of the rotation entirely and and do a compost bin in there. So um, let's see, uh, is it about time for a break there? We can take our break and thank our fine sponsors for bringing us this program on WDEV. Okay. So let's do that Great. right now. These are the uh, these are the fine underwriters who make In the Garden with Peter Burke a reality each and every weekend right here on WDEV. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. Our telephone number is 244-1777. That's the 802 number. And toll-free from most anywhere, 877-291-8255. And once again, here's Peter Burke. <laughs> hey, Joel. Yes. So uh, we, um, um, at this point, it's May 22nd, and our last frost would be May 30th, which would be Memorial Day. So uh, I know how warm it is. It's very tempting to put those uh, tomatoes out there, uh, unless you're in the banana belt like uh, Joel, where you know May 15th is usually their last frost. You know, if you're in central Vermont, you want to plant those plants with a little bit of caution. Um, it has been so warm, it's really tempting to think that maybe Maybe there won't be any more frost, but I was caught with a late frost last year, and uh, because it was so warm, I put my uh, little sets out and um, didn't realize it was uh, going to be cold one night, and, and I lost uh, I lost a few things. But um, it seems like just about everything else, um, certainly all your coal plants and all the seeds that you can plant are are good. Uh, certainly, if you're doing any uh, sweet corn, you're fine with that. Your potatoes can go in. Uh, I would even say your green beans and your pole beans can go in. Uh, of course, uh, the carrots and uh, all the other um, all the other crops that are not, uh, you know, really very frost sensitive, like your tomatoes and your eggplants, uh, the basil and uh, pepper plants. Those you might want to wait a week, and it never hurts just to wait a week. It can hurt to to get anxious. Um, if you do decide to go ahead and plant, make sure you're ready to protect those plants um, uh, just in the off chance that we get one more frost before the, before the, um, the last frost yeah, date of uh, June 1st, May 30th. Memorial Day, which is typical uh, over most of the, the Northeast. Um, if you if you're 
And, and, and just to want to emphasize, there's really no harm in waiting an extra week and even a week into June. Um, because you, if you're choosing your varieties for your, uh, uh, for your season, right, you're not gonna, you're not gonna plant a 120 day tomato because, you know, that's, you're just not gonna be able to do that unless you have the skills to run a greenhouse and, and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, the shorter day, 70, 65, 80 day, uh, tomatoes and the same thing with your peppers. Um, you know, you, you can, uh, you can easily wait another week and have excellent results, good results. And sometimes it's even better because, uh, uh, the thing that you have to remember is that it's not entirely just the soil, the air temperatures of, of, uh, the frost free days and all the rest, but also your soil temperature and your nighttime temperatures can affect those, those plants like uh, basil and peppers and eggplants and tomatoes and all, all of those um, are sensitive also to nighttime temperatures. Uh, so far, the nighttime temperatures have been pretty warm, you know, 50, 60 degrees. But uh, how about you, Joel? Is it, how's, it, how's it been out uh, in Colchester? It's been uh, nice and warm at night. Well, yeah, about 67, 68 degrees for the most part. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah that, that sounds pretty... Pretty luxurious, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, if you don't hold off, make sure you're ready for a late season frost. Just on the off chance, it seems so warm now, though. It's like it couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly uh, uh, have another frost. But it's within the realm. So just be careful. So you can plant your, oh, your beets, and of course all your um, your uh, uh, cabbage family stuff like the broccoli and Brussels sprouts and even kohlrabi. Um, uh, those, you know, I already have in the ground, but if you haven't planted, it's certainly not too late to go ahead and, and, uh, plant those. Um, have you ever planted artichokes, Joel? No, I haven't. No. Yeah. Well, we've tried them a few times. But uh, they're so good, and, and everybody in the family really loves them. We're going to try them again this year. Uh, sounds interesting. Hey, we have a caller on the line, so we'll pick up on. Oh, okay. oh no, I no, I guess we don't. So we're back to artichokes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> back to artichokes. Well, artichokes are, um, you know, in in the right uh, is a perennial in the in the in the right. Uh, um, uh, zone, but where we are, it's you grow it as an annual. So, sort of like tomatoes, you give them an early start. You get them started in in uh, April and put them in, and then you, you know, I, my expectations for those huge artichokes, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, you'll be disappointed. What you'll get is probably a, oh, a baseball or maybe even a grapefruit size artichoke, but they they sure grow well and and. Uh, they are delicious. So if you've never tried those, you might want to give those a try. And um, I think that uh, I we sold advertising for Kate Farm. I got some there, and um, they uh, they were beautiful. You know, nice nice big plants and stuff. And um, so the question is, uh, like for cucumbers, now do you plant those by seed or do you plant them by the uh, the sets the starts, and what I like to do is I actually like to do both. 
uh, because I'll do several trellises. And on my four-foot trellis, um, I plant uh, eight, um, eight cucumber plants. So that's two per square foot along the four feet of my trellis. And that uh, just greatly reduces the amount of garden space that you, you use. But not only that, is is the, the cucumbers are a lot less likely to be um, attacked by the cucumber beetle, and, um, and they're a lot less likely to suffer the powdery mildew. And besides that, it just makes it so much easier to, to pick them. So if you don't have a trellis and you want to save some room, you want to make your life easier, definitely make a trellis for your cucumbers and plant eight cucumber plants or even eight, uh, you know, cucumber seeds. And uh, I think you'd be very happy with those. And those you could put in now and be pretty, uh, the, certainly the seeds you can put in now if you wanted to wait another week for uh, planting the sets, that'd be fine too. And let's see, well, most people probably have their onions in. If you don't, you want to plant, uh, you want to buy onion, uh, you know, leek or shallot uh, sets, you know, the, the little green plant that looks like a miniature onion. And that's that's the best way at this point is to, is to plant them like that. And I plant them, it sort of depends on which variety of plant, a standard plant, you can plant as many as, as 16 in a square foot every three inches. Um, if you're doing a larger type, some of the red uh, onions or the Alicia Craig's, you want to give them a good uh, six inches apart so it's only four per square foot. And, um, yep. Yeah, we do have a phone call, so let us go to our first caller of the day. Okay. And okay. We will All do, right. We will do so... Whoops, wait one second. All right. We're working on it here. I uh, hear you. <laughs> oh, okay, Forbes, you're on, right? I'm on. Oh, hey, Forbes. <laughs> no, it's not Forbes. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Your first name in town, you sound a bit like Forbes. Paul Northfield. Okay, thank you, Paul, you're on. About the compost. Years ago, yeah. my mother used to have a flower garden slash garden, and... uh I don't know if people realize when they're boiling vegetables, you know, for meals and stuff, instead of throwing that boiled water down the drain, cool it down. Put it on your compost pile or put it in your garden directly. Any answer to that? You know, I would say that's a great idea. I would, matter of fact, what you can do is you can have a five-gallon bucket out the back door, out the back kitchen door, and just... Fill that up, and and True. as you're filling it up, throw throw some compost in there. True. And you'll have a, a an an extra extraordinary compost tea made with the the uh, leftover water that has all the nutrients yep. that uh, have leached out when you steam your vegetables or or boil them. Yeah, right. no, it's a great idea. Yeah, and you could also put in like the peelings and stuff, and let it just uh, you know. Make a real good tea, yeah. or you know, amend it. <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> you sure can. You can do all those things. Yep. Yeah, but I'm just no, saying, it's a great you know, idea. People might not realize it, and you know, they're they're putting all of those, you know, vitamins and minerals down the drain. <laughs> 
Absolutely. No, but anyway, you're, 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 I agree with you 100%. Okay. Let you go. You're coming up on a break, I think. <laughs> Are we coming up on a break? Well, no, well, we can Paul, wait about another 10 minutes on that. Oh, but, oh. Okay. <laughs> but thank thank you Paul. Yeah, all right. Have a good day. Bye. Yep, you too. Let's go to um, yep. let's go to Norm in Bristol right now here on WDEV. Here we go. There hey, we go. Norm, welcome. Hello. What's on your mind? What's going uh, on? I want to know the best way and the best time to thin out my rhubarb patch. Um so when you it's say it's pretty thin thick it out. and they're very spindly, oh. they're pretty spindly now. Oh, oh, okay. Thick, so you need to, yeah. Now. So. Well, actually, almost any time is fine with the rhubarb. They're they're so hardy that uh, no matter what you do, they're gonna they're gonna come back strong. Um, but uh, the first and foremost, uh, and of course this is already passed, but when you first see them started to sprout, when you first see the red crown, um, that's an excellent time to do it first thing in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, uh, if you say they're spindly, do you still harvest them from, from the I do. plants? I do, yeah. Yeah, so when you finished harvesting, you know, you're you're sort of done, and you see the flower spike come up. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, of course, you can go ahead and split your split the root uh, zone, cut it all down, and replant it then. And uh, then, other than that, uh, you'll see them start to die back in August, where you know leaves and the stems sort of turn brown and flop over. And then right. that would be uh, your third opportunity. And then, of course. You know, in, after the last frost, you can plant them and replant them then. So you pretty much you can replant those, uh, split them, divide them up, just about any time that that works for you. Um, they're so hardy and they grow so much. We often, when people say, oh, I, you know, wish I had uh, uh, some rhubarb, my wife will go out and dig up a root and, and we'll pass it on just about any time during the season. And but the only time we we hesitate is when we're still cutting down the the stems. And my wife grows probably the biggest uh, rhubarb stems I ever. I mean, they're a good three inches across, and oftentimes Ooh. twenty twenty four inches long. They're just they're monstrous. And so that's um, because they have lots of room to grow, like you know, hardy like that, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have lots of room to grow. But like I say, we 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 will uh, we share and love to share those those uh, roots for uh, for anybody that wants some norm. So uh, how many how many rhubarb plants do you have now? Oh God, they've been there forever. I mean, it's thirty, yeah, forty, yeah. fifty years. They've been oh, there. Yeah. And they just all of a sudden in the last couple of years they've gotten really thick in there. It never used to yeah. be a problem. I've never separated them before, but now yeah. they seem yeah. to be well, really, really super thick in there with a lot of spindly ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, if I were to take those, uh, you'll... No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it's time. If I were That's to dig those up with say. a shovel, if I were to dig those up with a shovel and get the roots, say a shovel full of them, what would I expect to see for a root system there? Are they? Uh, is it one big root that's using is and it's sprouting all these smaller ones, or is it just numerous roots? 
the 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 crown of the rhubarb uh, actually looks almost like a like sassafras wood. It's a it's a mm-hmm. bright orange crown, and I right. usually try to just cut it in half, or if it's really big, cut it in quarters, okay. and just you know work it work it up gently. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cut it into into pieces, okay. and it's a it's it's a rooty you know it's it's really a very fibrous root. Like I said, it almost looks like a tree root. It's so fibrous. So when you cut that, you know you try to cut right straight down as far as you can, and then you know start to pull back the piece that you want to take off on it. And you'll see, yeah, there's smaller feeder roots coming off of that too, and yeah. uh, um, that that will if if you can't replant them right away, uh, get a nice size uh, pot or even a five gallon bucket, and right. uh, you know fill it with uh, with a good dirt and stick them in there for a little while until till you're ready to replant them or. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to make a new bed, or are you? Yeah, I want to make some thinning. new beds and maybe give some of them away, um, just to thin them yeah. out. I need to thin that area out. Now, what would I expect if I were to dig that uh, the whole root up from the from the crown? How long would that root be? Is it very long, or is it oh, short, stubby? Or yeah, what? you're you're not going to find the end of that root. It's just like okay. a like a tree root. It goes it goes down okay. pretty far. Uh, you, you might sort of depends. You may have to cut it off at, on either side, all four sides, you know, to to get it, the the crown to come out. If that's what you were thinking to do, and well, the crown is the important um, thing. Then. Get that intact. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's the cut, important. Cut thing that there. in different pieces. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, what's your what's your feeding schedule for your for your rhubarb? What do you I've how never do you fed them. I, I never fed them. I never yeah. have had to feed yes. them. Yeah, so, so rich down and, there that they just don't seem to ever, you know. I mean, like I said, they've been there forty, fifty years. Oh yeah, yeah. Never yeah. had a problem. Well, with that's them. great. It's nope, and you're actually you're not really having a problem in that. Uh, the only real problem is, like you're saying, they've just become too crowded, and too that'll crowded. happen with almost any plant that you have. You know, we have. Um, whether it's uh, lilies or, you know, uh, um, daffodils or any, any any plant like that that comes up from the root, they can get so packed in there that they get smaller and smaller and smaller. So, yeah, you want to divide those up and you've had a good 40 years. uh, That's the same thing that, that actually happens even with a, with an asparagus spread, it, it it'll go for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden it'll start to to die back, and you get smaller stuff, or even some of them actually die. So right. you know, a couple of things is you want to make sure that you are adding some nutrients to your bed right along. It'd be better if you put some manure or some good compost um, yep. on them every year just to make sure. And even uh, you know uh, a fish emulsion spray on them uh, will will help them. And at this point, when you're transplanting them, I would really uh, really suggest you go ahead and give them a little um, a douse with a fish emulsion, even if you just put it in a five gallon bucket and and you know douse the roots. 
both in your new bed and in your old bed just to to feed them because they've been feeding on that soil for so many years it's very very possible that it's depleted now yeah the, i mean the leaves the leaf i mean they they're close to 2 feet long the uh, amazing stems. <laughs> and the leaves are like huge still so it seems like they're it. getting enough nutrients it's just that they're crowded yeah, but I can I do that. Can, I will yeah. do that though. I will feed them because I've got I've got fish and yeah. mulch and I've got all that stuff. So, all right, uh, yeah. well, and that the, kind of answers uh, my question. I have to tell you, Norm, that's that's very common both with the asparagus bed and the rhubarb bed. Yeah, is, as as yeah. long as they're growing good, you know, you don't think to feed them, but actually you should feed them every year, just like you do everything else. You know, with right. a with a minimal amount of of uh, manure and all and all and. Uh, right. You know, you don't think you'll find that uh, that'll come right back, and you'll have a another great. What's your what's your favorite rhubarb recipe? I I just cook it up and I eat it uh, as is. I put it in the freezer and in, in uh, 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 quart containers. Um, I'm not uh-huh. much. In, I used to love I used to love rhubarb pie and strawberry rhubarb pie. I used to love it, but I'm not good at making crust. <laughs> I kind of I got away from that. <laughs> I'm not a crust maker. Well, I'm gonna have more. You can buy a yeah. <laughs> you can buy a crust. <laughs> I know. I just saw those at Hannaford's the other day, and I said, "Yeah, there's yeah. the thing to do right there." And just buy my, right you know, just spread it out and and yeah. buy my luck. And they're usually yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell well, you, you sort of yeah. like. Uh, it's sort of like Joel. Joel has his favorite recipe, right? Oh, absolutely. It's the straw. Well, I call, it, it is rhubarb strawberry compote that my daughter's always called oh, strawberry yeah. rhubarb compost. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I liked it. It sounds good. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, guys. You can. Okay, Norm. Good luck. Let okay. me know how it goes. Hey, we have callers on the line, and uh, let us go to uh, Terry in Springfield right now. Hey, Terry, welcome. Oops, I What's got going what, on in Springfield. Wait, no, I think we got. Uh, um, let, let us. Uh, well, you've got me. Okay. Oh, okay. Let oh, me let hey, me Nola. let me put you on hold, Nola. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go take the. Yeah, yeah. Go. Okay. <laughs> this is uh, okay. Wait a second. This is always this is this is always an adventure here, for for uh, the technology uh, inclined uh, Joel here, all thumbs. But no, I think we do have we do have Terry in Springfield right now, the Chestnut Man. How are you, Terry? That's right. You got it, Terry. Hey, listen, we're not going to talk except that uh, my chestnuts are all leafed out, and I'm hoping they'll have some blooms, and then eventually chestnuts come October, but I'm looking, not looking forward to October yet. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. is horseradish. And okay. I had the honor, I guess you call it, of transplanting a horseradish plant. It was in a pot given to a friend, a friend of mine down the road. Uh, I planted it, and it's doing fine. But I have a couple of questions uh, to verify. Is, is what's the best time to harvest horseradish? I think it's in the spring, isn't it? Uh, the generally, it's done in the fall. It's done in the fall after uh, it should flower yeah. out, and then uh, and and then you uh, it 
it's one of those things that you can take it whenever you want to take it. But generally speaking, it's general. It's harvested in the in the fall and processed in the fall. And okay. I can just say use great caution when you process it because. Oh yes, uh, I learned that the hard way about <laughs> years ago with friends of mine. We started processing it in the kitchen. And it drove yeah. us right out of the house. Um, we fortunately were able to go out on the porch where there's a nice breeze, and we finished processing it there for obvious reasons. Yeah. Anyway, for obvious uh, reasons, yes. Second question is: uh, Can you put the tops back in the ground? I understood um, you cut off uh, below the top the the, the, the foliage that is. And set yeah. it back in the ground. Is that right or not? Well, or don't you? It's, it's iffy. If you really want to uh, start a new plant, you know, and you want to do it that way, you'd be better off to start it, uh, you know, in a in a jar like you would do, say, like um, an avocado or something that you root. You know, you want to see those yeah. roots before you put them in the ground. Um, if you put it in the ground, uh, you know, it, it, it's not going to have a whole lot of, it's going to have no root structure whatsoever. So, right. you know, take a little time and let it sprout in a jar of water and, uh, maybe even, uh, sprinkle the, a little bit of, um, uh, you know, the root, uh, the rooting stuff in there and root get it to, like to root a little bit. Before, yeah. The root tone before you, before you try to put it in the ground. Um, but also the, the tuber itself is, is you will probably have better luck with taking a, um, you know, one of the roots off. And, uh, again, I would probably take it and put it in a pot, you know, like a six inch pot and like you would do, uh, you know, ginger or any of those, you know, tuber type things, uh, um, you know, turmeric, all, all of them you can start from a from a tuber, and that's okay. probably the way I would I would start them if if you're planning on. Uh, now, tell me, one plant is not enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be enough for the neighbor. It's actually a neighbor of mine. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I because do have, have a you can make that, an uh, awful lot of horseradish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I have a friend that I harvested it with, and we processed. It was up in Castleton years ago. They moved over to York State, just barely over the line, and she took her plants uh-huh. with her. And she's got quite a few plants over there, but uh, I don't think she needs more than one tuber a year. Anyway, yeah, I, Eric, I think that would that would probably do the trick because, you know, that that's potent stuff. We get a, a little jar of of uh, a local guy who makes us. Uh, makes it and uh that usually pretty much lasts us for the year but you know i i've heard some people who have uh, peanut butter and radish and uh horseradish and uh and cheese sandwiches so i maybe if you're using it that much uh, <laughs> yeah. a little goes a long me, way that's little goes well, anyway thank you for the input okay good. good luck with it let me know how it goes good Okay, th- oh, thank you. Didn't mean to uh, cut you off there. Reminded me of my uh, late Uncle Stanley, who uh, whenever he would want to shout an expletive, 
and didn't want Aunt yes. Sophie to uh, hit him with the rolling pin, he would holler horseradish. <laughs> but he was horseradish. thinking of other things. <laughs> okay. And right now we go to uh, uh, we go to Ripton, Vermont, I believe. And this is Nola. Did I get the? Uh, did I push the right button this time? I think so. There we go. Hey, Nola. <laughs> <laughs> I er, Kate Farms. Kate Farms. Everything's double because I had the radio on, and so anyway, oh, yeah. I try to get myself back to you guys, and thank you for an extended in the house break because that's when I generally call you is when I'm taking a break. So due to my holding online that long, I've been in the house longer than I thought. Um, just. <laughs> Once again, nothing deep or moving, but there's more to gardens than just weeds and dirt. My husband and my dog and I just came back from Foster's Farm down in Middlebury, where I think I've told you folks, we started a memorial garden down there for Jim Foster, who was Mm -hmm. killed tragically in a farm accident. Gosh, it's going on four years now. And we went down Mm -hmm. today to move the thing along a little, and you know... There's the hollyhocks we got in there two years ago. They're up. They look great. There's all the reseeded sunflowers that came back from last year's plants. And there's all this open space that we put with, among other things, and this is why gardens are so amazing, um, we planted some dahlia bulbs, a gift from a friend here in Ripton who got them from a much older woman that died last year in Ripton. And so the garden is chock full of memories and love and just commitment. It, it, yeah. Mm. Gardens are good yeah. things. They really are. Yep. So it doesn't have to be huge and it doesn't have to be, you know, otherworldly, but they're good things. So yep. just wanted to remind yep. everybody of that. And I do have a frost poem only if you want it. <laughs> of course. Of course. Okay, well, this strangely does tie into gardening. So it's not that long, and it's the one that I'm working on right now, and it's called The Telephone. And here's how it goes. When I was just as far as I could walk from here today, there was an hour all still. When leaning with my head against a flower, I heard you talk. Don't say I didn't, for I heard you say, you spoke from that flower on the windowsill. Do you remember what it was you said? First tell me what it was you thought you heard. Well, having found the flower and driven a bee away, I leaned my head, and holding by the stalk, I listened, and I thought I caught the word. What was it? Did you call me by my name, or did you say, someone said, come? I heard it as I bowed. I may have thought as much, but not aloud. Well, so I came. That's it. It's just. That's cute. That's cute. Thanks, Noah. Well, thank you. Be well. And um, it's time to go back and get back to work again. Yeah. Let's all pray for Serene. We need it badly. (laughs) I agree 100%. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Okay. Let us go to. Yeah, Lawrence in Marshfield is on the line with us right now. Hey, Lawrence. Howdy. Howdy. Uh, I wanted to talk about horseradish. Uh, two okay, things. Go One ahead. is, I think there's, we found absolutely no problem 
growing horseradish. It loves to spread, and it's, uh, it's more. <laughs> if this person just lets it grow for a couple of years, he's he's not going to be trying to figure out a way to grow more of it. <laughs> it might be the opposite. <laughs> it's a biennial. The first year, it sends up, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a, a thinner leaves and stuff. And, and and then the, I mean, uh, the big leaves first year, and the thinner leaves with the seed stalk the second year. But uh, so, anyway, uh, as far as harvesting it goes, I learned from Rosemary Gladstar, an herbalist, years ago that uh, yep. you harvest it on, on any month that has an R in it. <laughs> okay, good. And it works. I mean, uh, you're probably not going to do it in. December, January, or February, <laughs> deep under not, snow. No. <laughs> but, but in the spring and in the fall, uh, yeah, that's the time April, to do it when uh, it's an R. So you yeah. don't. Uh, we yeah. I, I had a good example of a friend who also took a class with Rosemary, and she made something with horseradish in August, and it had no flavor. So it's oh, uh, at that point the. Uh, the the energy is still on the top of the plant, but once it starts hitting mm. September on, the energy goes back mm-hmm. into the roots, and that's when you get that great horseradish taste. So, mm. uh, so you can do it in the spring, you can do it in the fall, but do it in the don't now it's too late. No R in May, so no R in May to wait or till September. June or July. Yeah, for right. September or right. August. You got to wait till September, October, November. Yeah, or yeah. do it in well, March. Good. I will remember the R rule. That's very good. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> very good. You guys have a good well, one. Good. What do you do with your uh, your uh, horseradish? You just uh, you chop it up and use it uh, like that, or? What's we, your favorite it's way? been a while since we've done it, but there's a recipe called fire cider that Rosemary <laughs> has, and uh, it's oh it's boy onions and horseradish and uh, uh, I think there's garlic in there, several things, and you 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 put it in. I think it's uh, apple cider vinegar, and you let it sit mm-hmm. for about four or five weeks. And then you strain it, and boy, when you're you're feeling any little bit of a winter cold or something, oh. Connie's looking it up oh. so I don't mess it up. Oh. But uh, you drink a, you take a couple tablespoons of that, and boy, that will, I mean, that. Uh, and if you if you survive that, you'll be cured. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> absolutely, but actually, it doesn't taste that bad. But it is pretty oh. intense. So. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's uh, uh, ginger in there and um, some Uh ginseng root, if you can get it. And it's apple cider Uh vinegar. And you add some honey, too, so it's not... You know, it's a little bit. Soften of, it a little bit. Huh? Yeah, and you let it sit. But it, that's really good, you know, to, for a, a winter yeah, tonic. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, Sounds like that. It's great. Yeah. Sounds we, like we also were told... We also were told that if you plant it around potatoes, it's supposed to be beneficial. I don't know if it keeps away the potato beetles, but it's supposed. But then again, you got to be careful because 
uh, you'll have a lot of horseradish growing in You'll have a lot of horseradish growing in my potatoes. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I think so I'll make know. a tea and spray it. I don't think yeah, I'll. Yeah, yeah, that's probably best. Uh, marigolds. I'm going to stay with the marigolds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're safer. <laughs> okay, have a good one, you guys. Well, thanks for the recipe, Lawrence. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, let us go and, to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, let us go to Forbes in um, in the lovely East Corinth. You Forbes, you're on. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> I just want to kind of put out the alarm. We're bees right now. Um, what they're finding is um, a lot of the bees are being killed, and when they analyze it, it's from basically um, a, a treatment that people do to their lawns to kill the dandelions, and uh, this is killing the bees. So if anybody can leave, especially dandelions right now, because there isn't much to eat for the bees right now, yeah. if they can kind of leave them alone a little bit just until they... Uh, the harvest, um, that'll help the bees a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apple blossoms I mean, just, uh, have just, a poor, yeah. poor um, pollen count, so they're not as good as uh, something like the uh, dandelions. Oh, the dandelions are great, yeah. Yeah. yeah the bees yeah. seem to love that. Yeah, they do, yeah, but we people just, treat their lawns, which mow. most people do, uh, with a fungicide or, a, you know, a, a thing to kill them. Then the bees pick it up, and that kills the bees. Oh boy! Yeah, that's They've been doing a lot of research on that, and that's what they're coming up with right now. So enjoy those dandelions. Don't kill them. Just enjoy them. All right. You're going to say the, uh, the pollination aspect, or we won't have any plants. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's not a good plan. Well, thanks for the uh, the tip there. I'm glad you reminded everybody. Yeah, uh, pretty important. Especially uh, bumblebees, which are one bumblebee is equal to about 400 honeybees. And they're oh, actually right? Yeah, they work. They work at, they're that work at uh, 50 degrees, and even in a drizzle, where a honeybee won't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah okay. Is. And then the monarchs the will be coming in, and that's your goldenrod and and uh, milkweed, things like that. Yep. Okay. okay. Great. Have a good day. Thanks. Yep, thanks for it. We appreciate the call. Okay, let me just see if I can do this. We've got Francis on the line right now. Okay, Francis. Hi. Hey, I found some ways to uh, keep squirrels and woodchucks away from your uh, gardens. Uh, I'm all ears. Okay. <laughs> uh, cayenne pepper works real well. I had a squirrel that came and destroyed my container gardens, and after I put that there, kept them away. And uh, he, you can see that he does, goes nowhere near my garden anymore. Um, so and this morning, I had, did you, yeah. uh, I mixed it up with, basically it was just the hot sauce you get at, like, Walmart or something like that. Oh, okay. And, yeah? Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, I was told, and it works real well, if you take your kitty litter and you sprinkle it yeah. around your garden, I saw my yeah. uh, my woodchuck come up this morning, got within five feet of my containers, and walked the other way. And I had tomato <laughs> plants right? in there. I had uh, cucumber plants in there, uh, baby uh, uh, radishes, and uh, 
beats and stuff like that, and he didn't want nothing to do with it. Oh, fantastic. Well, there yep. I hadn't heard anything about kitty litter before, so that's that's a new one. <laughs> yep. And, so um, uh, when yeah. Yes, when you use the kitty litter, are you using all of the, the clay stuff or just the... Yeah, I put uh, the whole stuff know. out there. And we actually sit uh-huh. next to the containers, and after about three four days, you can't smell it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not even that, that bad even when away. you're there, but after three uh-huh. or four days, you can't even smell it at all. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, well, another good. thing yeah, is with... Wa- What's that? I'm sorry? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say with wasps and uh, hornets, because I know they were talking yeah. about bees earlier. If you take and you mix two tablespoons of boric acid into apple juice, okay, and then you okay. put it in soda yeah. cans with a little bit in the bottom, and you put a little straw and uh, stick in there, the hornets and mm-hmm. the wasps will go in. They will eat that, and they'll go back to their nest, and the, the poison will kill the whole uh, the whole nest. It also works with uh, ants. Um, okay. So that's yep. uh, two tablespoons of boric acid in, mixed with? A quarter what? apple juice. And this, oh, this guy on YouTube juice. was showing right next to his beehive, the bees won't touch it. So you won't hurt your honeybees or anything like that. It'll only kill the pests that you really want to get rid of. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Yep. Good. We had uh, we had quite the nest under my uh, back deck last year, and uh, of uh, of the uh, yellow jackets. And um, yeah, I'll have to try that again with with uh, right in that spot. Set it up right underneath that deck. See if I can't get rid of them this year. Yep. Yeah, and what the best part is, it kills the whole nest, the queen, and everything. Then you don't. Have them coming mm-hmm. back year okay. after year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a real fight to keep all the critters out of your garden and out of your house. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, good. Thanks, Francis. I appreciate the uh, the words of wisdom here. Yep. You're welcome. All right. Well, um, Joel here, and. Uh, just a couple of things. Uh, we had uh, uh, a, a nice lady who identified her as a long-term, long-time Vermonter, and uh, and she said that, uh, well, as a little girl growing up, uh, she and her family raised on dandelion greens and horseradish greens. So <laughs> they make use of just about everything that uh, that that grows out there. And I have a neighbor who is very fond of dandelion greens. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I I know when I was growing up in uh, in New York, I I when we were looking to you know my dad was looking to move to Westchester County, just north of the Bronx. We'd get on the well, the road that preceded the Sprain Parkway, but then the Bronx River Parkway, long winding road that's been there forever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the center island were the ladies picking the dandelions. And turned out it was a dandelion <laughs> wine that they were making. And I remember I was about 12 years old and Mrs. Shira, I asked her, what is your, what are you doing with the dandelion? She said, I'm 
I'm making dandelion wine. You're old enough to have a taste of this, so she gave me a shot of dandelion wine. I haven't been the same since. It wasn't bad at all. Let me tell you. So, ooh, I, now I know. No, I now I know why the the old the old folk, uh, you know, uh, pass the pass the bottle around and then start arguing politics. It's because of stuff like this. But anyway, we also uh, we have a, a dedicated listener and uh, we love her. Cindy called and she um, knew. Uh, Erica Von Trapp and other members of the Von Trapp family. And uh, uh, apparently Erica reflected on uh, uh, a, 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 a use of the months that have the letter R in for another purpose. And it was just simply, oh. you don't go outside barefoot in any month that begins with, that, that has within it the letter R. And that, of course, would be September, October, November, December, January, February, March, and April before it gets warm enough to do so. So some more words of wisdom right here. I tell you, Vermont lore, there's nothing like it. Uh, don't go outside. Huh? Well, you don't go outside barefoot. Bare, barefoot. barefoot. I was going to just wrap things up, but I think we have one more call. And, uh, you know, unless it's uh, my parole officer, let's go right here and see. Uh, you, you made it under the wire here on In the Garden, your first name in town. Uh, Trudy and Braintree. Hey, Trudy, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. A little on, little on the warm side out there today. Yep. yep. Same here. I, have, I have a horseradish story and a quick question. My neighbor okay. at camp in Pittsburgh, New Hampshire... I've given him horseradish roots over the years, and I finally got him to root his own. At Christmas time, he needed horseradish for his prime rib, went out and dug through the snow, dug some up, and had fresh horseradish for his Christmas prime rib. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, there's so, an you know, R. Is there? December, there's an R in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And my question is, in the raised beds, how frequently should you put the one cup of the fertilizers in after the initial? Well, uh, the, um, the minimum is once a year. That would be once your minimum. A year. But if you're, oh, okay. if, if, you're, if you're growing heavy feeders in there, um, then you want to just check uh, the bag to see what it says. It may say once every two weeks or once a month. Um, you know, so you want to, you want to keep that because everything, every fertilizer like that is actually a slow release. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to, I like to sort of go with a combination of the slow release and then, uh, once every two weeks using the, the fish fertilizer as a foliar. Uh, and, and that ensures that, you know, there's a steady supply of, of the nitrogen phosphorus, potassium that they need on a, uh, on a week-to-week basis. So, Well, I didn't find the azomite last year. I have it this year. Um, everything I planted in it did well, so. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to hear, Trudy. <laughs> so so what's your, what's, what are you growing this year? I have, you know, something I've only got my peas planted yesterday. I have been behind oh. times. <laughs> oh, well, I hear you there. Uh, I'm working on it today, but it's hot out there. <laughs> yeah, wait till yeah, wait till five or six o'clock. You'd be better. Yeah, off. and then the black flies are out. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know how to deal with those, right? You got to have the 
got to have the the mesh hat, the black fly hat, <laughs> long sleeves, and tuck your pant legs into your socks. And if I wear my, my mesh hat, my husband calls me a flatlander. Oh, well, yeah, let him get out there without it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I do have one. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't I go out without it. Yeah, okay. no, I, there's no sense in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that insults right, my Vermont you. heritage. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, not in my mind. That's for sure. That's just using good old, good old fashioned uh, wisdom. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, there's no good. sense being bit. All right, well, my, take care. Thanks for the very uh, good. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, bye bye now. Well, I think. Well, that, Joel, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, think we're uh, at the fi- for your final words, and um, boy, we want to oh, thank our many listeners. Words. Well, not final. Yeah. <laughs> How about concluding <laughs> words on this week's edition <laughs> in the garden? Well, I think I'll my thank fi- our listeners. Yeah, I suspect <laughs> that my final words are coming any time. But um, uh, at any way, uh, as as um, my friend's great grandmother used to say, every day is a borrowed day, and I'm grateful for well, I'm grateful for all the loans. Is what I'm well, saying. Uh, I, I I would concur. I agree with you 100, percent Joel, and. Uh, uh, after this month, I, I, you do realize how blessed you are sometimes. <laughs> so, um, yes, the, uh, be careful of that heat. Make sure you water. Don't rush into planting everything. Uh, if, you know, we could still have a frost here, pretty unlikely at the, at the, the way the weather's been. But if you do plant your, all of your frost, uh, sensitive things, make sure you're, you're ready and able to cover them if need be. We don't want you to get caught or lose anything. And what's the hurry? You know, a week here or there won't make a difference. So um, plant another batch of carrots, or some more beets. Uh, you know, plant the things that are, will be have no trouble with a, with a late frost. Um, you can plant your potatoes now, all those good things, and uh, let me know how you how they're going. Joel and I love to hear about your successes, too. I uh, see if you've got some fresh radishes yet, you know, that you could actually be planting them. And, Joel, thanks for letting us go over time again. I appreciate it. In the Garden today has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield, by Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you. They're on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolcott. By the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust at where one call does it all. 
Poly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, and by Kate Farm, where their plant sale is underway today. Two more coming up on the 29th and then on June 5th. The Kate Farm on Coburn Road in East Montpelier. Do join us again next Saturday at 12.30 during the noon hour for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below. Till the rain comes tumbling down.